ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Nearly a year ago, the leaders of Australia, the US and UK stood together and delivered some big news. Forging this new partnership, we're showing again how democracies can deliver our own security and prosperity, and not just for us, but for the entire world. Today, we're announcing the steps to carry out our first project under AUKUS, developing Australia's conventionally armed nuclear-powered submarine capacity. The AUKUS agreement that US President Joe Biden is talking about, originally announced in 2021, is billed as one of Australia's most important security packs. Even with its hefty price tag, the submarine component could cost up to $368 billion over three decades alone. It's still being welcomed by some politicians, experts and analysts who look with some trepidation uh, at the growing power tensions in our region. But one of Australia's most eminent defence experts thinks differently and has pretty much since uh, AUKUS was announced. Hugh White is the Emeritus Professor of Strategic Studies at the Australian National University. Welcome to you. Oh, hi, Andy. How are you? I'm well. Uh, AUKUS is more than submarines, but briefly for the layperson... What is it supposed to offer? What is the selling point of AUKUS, in your view? Well, I think that's one of the that's one of the interesting questions because the way it's been described, and indeed that you know Joe Biden used this kind of language in that in that announcement you just referenced, it's talked about as being a sort of a whole new defence pact between Australia, Britain, and the United States. Now, that's not actually true. Uh, there's no new pact. There's no new treaty. There's no new alliance. There are no new strategic commitments. There's a whole lot of you know sort of marketing around it, but right at the heart of it is the idea of Australia acquiring nuclear-powered submarines and with, with the help of America and Britain. And I think that's really the guts of the, of, of the AUKUS idea. And whether AUKUS is a good idea or a bad idea, I think, um, will we'll stand or fall on whether or not uh, that uh, submarine acquisition proposal is a smart one. And I'm, uh, I'm arguing that it's not. <laughs> I think it's a big mistake. Yeah. So why do you think it will fail? Is it because you don't think the submarines will del- be delivered in a timely fashion, thus being redundant when they find are, or do you think that the, the word failure um, has a larger geopolitical reference in my mind, perhaps to do with us picking uh, um, the wrong side, depending on the outcome of a potential uh, Sino-US war over Taiwan? Yeah, look, I think that's, you know, those are, those, those are the big questions. Look, I've got three reservations ab- about the whole AUKUS idea. The first is that I don't think we need nuclear-powered submarines. I don't think they're the most cost-effective option for Australia. That's not to say that nuclear-powered submarines don't have a lot of advantage over conventionally-powered ones. They do, but they're a lot more expensive and take a lot longer to deliver and are much harder to operate. And... And I don't think the advantages they have outweigh those very significant disadvantages. So I'm arguing that what Australia needs to do is to spend a lot of money, admittedly, on submarines, but spend that money on a larger fleet of conventionally powered boats, which I think in the end would deliver more combat capability. My second reservation is I don't think we're going to get them. The 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 the, the plan that was announced at that uh, press conference when Joe Biden was speaking uh, it, is extraordinarily complicated and it requires both uh, Australia and America and Britain all to do some very difficult things and I think there's a fair chance that none of the three countries will deliver their part of it. And just to take what seems to me the most obvious sort of short-term problem, I think the chance of America actually being willing to sell us 
Virginia-class submarines, which is the essential sort of first step in the process as it's been proposed, I think the chances of that happening are very low because America does not have enough Virginia-class submarines of its own. And I think that the, it's very likely that towards the end of this decade or early next decade or even much sooner, maybe just next year if Donald Trump gets elected, the Americans will just turn around and say, no, nah, we're not going to do that. And then we're going to be in a complete hole. And and if, if they do have the reserves to uh, give us those Virginia-class submarines, is uh, it your... Sell, sell us. Sell They're us. not going to give us anything. True, <laughs> true, true, true. Uh, then you believe that that will put us in lockstep with any potential... Like, the, the, the US won't give us these submarines unless they'll have an ins- assurance that, that, that they'll get a use out of them in geopolitical t- tensions in the Taiwan Strait. Absolutely, Andy. I mean, right at the heart of my reservations is the deeper question as to what this means about Australia's positioning between America and China. And it is very clear to me, and I think really (laughs) very clear in Washington, that they will only pass us, sell us, Virginia-class submarines if they are absolutely sure that in the event of a war between America and China, Australia will be on America's side. And I think that would be a very bad commitment uh, for Australia to make, to commit ourselves to go to war with America against China. And I think my basic reason for that being a bad idea is I don't think that's a war America's going to win. And I think what's more, it's a war that would end up, very likely end up as a nuclear war and be unimaginably catastrophic and in the process would not save the Taiwanese. So I think we need you know, <laughs> to think very carefully about that. And of course, what lies behind that is the whole thing that AUKUS at heart, I think really both for Washington and for Canberra is not actually in the end primarily about submarines. It's about consolidating Australia's position as an unquestioning supporter of US policy towards China in the Western Pacific in the decades ahead. And I think that's a bad idea, not because I'm in any way anti-American. I've been a strong supporter of the US alliance all my long career. It's because I think now as we face the rising power of China, we have to realistically recognise that America doesn't have a strategy, an effective strategy to deal with it. And the idea that we should muscle up and plan to go to war with China in order to preserve American primacy just makes no sense. And I therefore think it's a mistake for us to build both our overall strategic policy and our submarine capability around the assumption that that's what we ought to be doing. You've also argued, Professor White, that uh, this essentially, uh, the AUKUS Pact gives China a very powerful propaganda tool for their own domestic purposes. What do you mean? Well, I mean, I think uh, I, I think it is true that it gives the Chinese a, a bit of an easy run in the sense that they can, uh, particularly in Southeast Asia, go around and paint it as another example uh, of Australia and America trying to sort of create a new Cold War in Asia. I, I might say that that argument wouldn't stop me um, uh, agreeing with the idea of buying nuclear-powered submarines if I thought they were the right capability for Australia and if I thought they had any chance of being delivered. But I think when we when we look at the way in which uh, the proposal is, is likely to progress, when we look at the, the fact that other kinds of submarines would be more cost-effective for Australia, and then you add to that the fact that it gives the gives the Chinese a bit of a free kick against us uh, diplomatically, I think it's just an additional reason to think it's a bad idea. And there are also some other questions, including a question about nuclear proliferation. Now, you know, as Joe Biden said in that clip you used, these are going to be conventionally armed nuclear-powered submarines. But I think it's hard to deny that there are anxieties in the region that Australia moving to acquire nuclear-powered submarines does just 
nudge the proliferation, the question of proliferation of nuclear weapons a bit higher up the agenda. And I think that's another way in which it's diplomatically unsatisfactory for us. The idea about deterrence, though, even if these submarines never materialise, isn't the argument uh, or the pro-argument for AUKUS that it provides uh, this deterrent to, to China, whether they turn up or not? It's the idea that Australia will act in lockstep with its AUKUS responsibilities and the UK in case there is a, a, a spillover of tension or, or aggression. Look, that's certainly an argument that the government and other supporters of AUKUS have used, but I've got to say I, I don't think it carries a lot of weight. People tend to regard deterrence as a kind of a magic potion that if, as long as you can persuade the Chinese or some other putative adversary that you're thinking about how you might possibly respond to their military aggression, they'll give up the idea and walk away. Actually, deterrence is much harder than that. What deters is the adversary's clear belief that you have both the capacity and the will to go to war to assert your position against theirs. Now, the fact is that Australia isn't going to have any nuclear-powered submarines at all in operation, even if the AUKUS plan works, which I doubt. But even if it does, uh, we won't have any nuclear-powered submarines at all in operation until the mid-2030s, and we won't have an operationally viable capability until probably well into the 2050s or even 2060s. Now, the idea that the Chinese are going to be deterred in the next five or ten years from a capability that Australia might have 20 or 30 years into the future, I, I think that's just a fantasy. I don't, I don't think we're doing anything effective to enhance our deterrence of China by, by making these sorts of big, big bold, uh, brash commitments which are so unlikely to deliver real capability in any of the relevant timeframes. Of course, all this on the eve of the long-awaited uh, review of the Navy's surface fleet tomorrow. We understand yes, a new fleet of right. small armed warships, uh, also the retention of uh, the six troubled hunter-class frigates. Is that going to uh, stitch up that capability gap we heard so much about last year? Look, I, 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 fear, I fear it won't. I mean, I think there's a, there's a number of very big issues tied up with this. One is the question as to whether or not a second-tier warship, a smaller and by definition less capable warship, is going to be a good way to fill in the gap that we're undoubtedly facing in our surface ship capability because the, the Hunter class, the the class that the previous government committed to, and meant to be a very big, very capable ship, is getting further and further delayed. Now, the problem with Tier 2 ships is that we don't face any Tier 2 adversaries. Um, you know, if you're going, if you're planning, as I think governments are these days, to build the ADF essentially to fight a war against China in support of the United States, then you, you don't want ships which are kind of half-armed. And with the best will in the world, a smaller ship is going to be less capable than a bigger one. But there's an even more fundamental question I have, and that is, what's the role of surface ships at all in modern naval warfare. Now, we've seen in the Black Sea, in the, in the war between Ukraine and Russia, how vulnerable the Russian fleet has been to a whole range of capabilities the Ukrainians have, have dreamed up pretty much on the fly. They've sunk a remarkable number of Russian ships, and what that tells you is that surface ships these days are just inherently very vulnerable. Mm. And one of the reasons why I think it's so important that we get our submarine choice right 
is that I think it's uh, submarines themselves, of course, are going to have increased vulnerability, but they're much less vulnerable than surface ships. And I think the government is still on the wrong track if it's going to make massive investments in surface ships one way or the other. And all of these vessels are subject to cyber attack, and we haven't even gotten to that dimension. Uh, uh, that uh, might be a, <laughs> a, a, a dimension for another day. Hugh White is the Emeritus Professor of Strategic Studies at the Australian National University. Uh, his paper on the issue is published today in the Australian Foreign Affairs Journal by Schwartz Media. Good to talk to you, Hugh. Yes, thanks, Andy. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.